The football season is reaching its conclusion, and Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last, or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favorite online betting company. And with the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals, and more to create your own personalized bet. And if you can't watch all the games live, with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favorite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only, and please gamble responsibly. Hello listener, I'm Carl Anker, and welcome to Talk of the Devils, the Manchester United podcast from The Athletic. Tonight we're going to bring you all the reaction from United's 1-0 win over FC Copenhagen, a game best described as the one where the goalkeeper got man of the match. <laughs> it was a strange one. Manchester United had 13 shots on target, but needed the guard of a 32-year-old Juan Mata and an extra-time penalty from that man Bruno to get the job done. And through the magic of podcasting, I can cross off to Germany to get the opinion of the Athletics Manchester United writer, Laurie Whittle. Hi, Laurie. Carl, how you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks. And also with us is United We Stand editor and contributing writer to The Athletic, Mr. Andy Mitten. Hi Andy, how you doing? I'm fine, I'm happy that Manchester United won. I'm tired if I'm honest, I've been awake for 21 hours now. But um here and ready to go and to get stuck into the podcast. You can read all of Andy and Laurie's great articles on Manchester United for free for 30 days by simply going to theathletic.com slash pod to sign up and try us without paying a penny. You'll be able to listen to our entire podcast network there ad-free as well. Now, time to get into this game. Laura, you were in the stadium for what was one of the flattest 90 minutes I've seen in Manchester United since the last time I saw Manchester United. What happened? Yeah, it looks a bit like the season's caught with them a bit. I mean, I think Copenhagen were very well drilled, you know, were difficult to break down, you know, had some offensive threats themselves, so United couldn't rest really, but... Um, I think first half, Copenhagen were the more cohesive team. United were sort of playing in bursts. Anything that they did that was good was sort of sporadic. It came from individual brilliance rather than anything kind of cohesive, any kind of plan. I think then ultimately United's quality told, you know, and, and Copenhagen also became fatigued. And really at the end, you know, they were there for the taking. But for that man in goal who... Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said had the game of his life, Carl Johan Johansson. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think ultimately United just about ground it out. It was not pretty to watch at times. But then again, you know, they had so many shots, 13 on target, that you'd think, you know, they, they deserved to win by quite a few in the end. So um, a difficult game to, to, to judge, I suppose, entirely. They got the job done at this stage in a competition. That's all that really matters. But you kind of hope, I think they'll need more than that uh, in a semi-final against either Sevilla or Wolves. Um, and certainly in a final against whoever they come up against in that one, uh, if they do manage to get through. So, um, yeah, not a bad way to, to sort of progress, but definitely a lot of work to do. Andy, how did you find that game? In addition to what Laurie said, uh, I think, first of all, you've got to credit Copenhagen. They're really well organised. I'd, I'd interviewed their manager on Friday and he explained their zonal defensive system and he was very proud of his team's European record. They hadn't conceded more than one goal in 31 European matches, which is pretty incredible when you consider that they're not from one of the big five leagues. They are the biggest team in Denmark, but but still. And in the first 25 minutes, they really had chances to rattle Manchester United. And I feel that if it would have been Bayern Munich or a, a superior team, United could have found themselves a couple of goals behind. They were very, very sloppy at times and at half time I think I tweeted something about United being slow 
in the first half. Granted, the conditions were not easy. It was difficult sitting in the stands. Not that I want any sympathy for that because we were very lucky to be there when so few people were. But it was 31 degrees and it felt humid as well. But in the second half, United got better and better. They had a couple of pretty good 15-minute spells. Um, hit the post. There was a goal disallowed just before half-time. Hit the post, hit the post, hit the post. Kept on it in the post. And it was nil-nil. And it was... I think Copenhagen were pretty lucky for it to be nil-nil because United created some really good chances. But it, it wasn't quite happening. Pogba was shooting... Bruno Fernandes was shooting more than anybody else. Anthony Martial, I thought in the end, played really well, but it took until like the 75th minute for him to start going and then went into extra time. And I'm thinking, oh no, because I got up at five o'clock this morning and I had to get back from Cologne to Dusseldorf and I'm looking and checking the train times. Uh, but United prevailed again, another penalty, another goal for Bruno. And I, th I think it was the fair result. Um, Johansson was excellent in in Copenhagen's goal and a, a nod as well to Varela, former Manchester United player who's found a decent level there but it's a semi-final of, of a European Cup and I think that's pretty encouraging, it'd be great if United can win it this season and Oli can win, win a trophy and I think if United do win it and finish third then Oli Gunnar can turn around and say this season's been a success but there's going to be two very difficult games, Wolves Sick of the sight of Wolves. Sevilla are very good as well. It's, it's still going to be a difficult competition to win because United looked a bit leggy as well. You looked at quite a few players and thought they're looking really tired at the moment. I don't know whether it's a competition, it's the end of a long season and it seems a little bit strange because there has been that big break as well. Manchester United have looked more tired recently. Bruno, one of those candidates. One thing I didn't quite expect was the energetic pacey player to help Manchester United get the win done was Juan Mata. Hmm. Laurie, uh, did I mention anything about the uh, Spanish mastermind after the game? Yeah, he did. Um, he was asked about him and he, he basically said that he's calm and composed when he comes on. He can pick a pass. Um, and he also mentioned he's got a great influence in the dressing room and, and his professionalism is unparalleled and you know he, he wants to play more but listen if he comes on in a situation like that and, and instantly produces something that creates a goal for United I know again it was a, a penalty but it was it was passing that was the, the key uh, ingredient there that, that unlocked it I think fair enough I, I sort of wonder I mean he came on for Greenwood and, and people I checked online sort of briefly and, and, and Solskjaer was getting pelters as, as he often does when he makes a substitution but um, or, or doesn't as the case may be clearly you know in the end that was a, a good move to take you know Greenwood off who can produce a goal from anything you know we, we saw that with, with that first half goal that was ruled out for offside incredible finish again and the one that hit the post so not real not really chances but I think he perhaps looks a little bit a little bit tired and I wonder what Solskjaer does now going forward because for a long period in that second half and into extra time um, you're sort of wondering is he going to change it is he going to change it but I think he just doesn't really feel that he, he has the players on the bench that would that can do that sort of on a consistent basis obviously Matt has come on and, and done it but you can sit, clearly feel that he, he wants it really he feels that his best chance is with Rashford, Greenwood and, and Marshall on the pitch so I wonder if he if he perhaps changes that for the semi-final so that he does then have you know a Greenwood on the bench that he can bring on and, and wrestle 
settle a game in United's favour if it isn't going that way. Um, I, I was quite amused by Odin Ogalo on the bench and Richard Hart has shouted over to him at one point, you know, go and warm up. And this was sort of midway through the second half and he took quite a while to get out and go and get warmed up. But probably because he knew, you know, am I going to get a chance here? Because they actually were going to bring him on for the for the final, you know, seconds of the game. And, and Richard Hart again was like, come on, come on, Odin, hurry up, get, get changed. And he was sort of quite, you know, slow and methodical in his process and, and in the end the final whistle blew before he got on so I, I do wonder if he was doing that because he didn't feel really that you know he was going to get a chance and, and that's maybe a little bit of an issue for Solskjaer if if it does get to extra time again can he really just keep that that same team out there until you know he has to ch- has to make a change um, it's something to consider certainly um, I mean Solskjaer the, the match was really interesting and Andy makes a point that we are very privileged to be in this position you know we want fans to be in there that the stadium should be full of noise it was it looked quite an impressive stadium just with the empty seats and um, we know that we're, we're very fortunate to be in that position so we, we don't take that for granted but it does give us a window into you know the the, the instructions from the bench and, and more so even than you get at Old Trafford because you're kind of a bit removed at Old Trafford whereas here we were right on top of them and you've got Solskjaer there. I mean, he was furious um, after that first chance from Fred's loose ball, and you know the two blocks that were required from from Bailey and um, and Maguire, and I think Pogba as well. Space everywhere. He shouted with with a, an expletive at the start of it. So, which I'll save our listeners from from hearing. But Kieran McKenna was was instructing um, Brandon Williams throughout, and, and Michael Carrick was talking to Pogba, uh, and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was talking to Mason Greenwood as well. Wanted runs in, in inside rather than sort of uh, out onto the wing. So. It, that was quite interesting to watch and I, I suppose it, you just sort of wonder yeah what, what will happen in the semi-final if you know United do need a goal as you go into later stages you know can one matter clearly shows that you can come on and do it but I wonder if you know you, you hope the whole squad are there as well you know to feel that they they are part of this and, and can change things from the bench I want to talk about strikers in a little bit but I want to touch a little bit what you said there about the fact that you and Andy are currently in Germany which is something I find fascinating at the moment um and the You've been talking a bit about how there are fans currently out there, if not in the stadium, but in and around the town. What's that experience like? United fans will try and get everywhere. And I walked around Cologne, which is a big city, and the first fans I bumped into were Copenhagen fans. I think about 10 of them have have travelled down and they were very friendly and it was a a beautiful day. And then I met the United fans, the type who you see absolutely everywhere. Most of them had had come from, from Manchester and they'd come to Cologne not expecting to get into the game. I suspect an earlier version of them, maybe 30 years ago, would have got inside that ground if it meant tunnelling under the pitch. I mean, these are people who are well-known in the fan base for jibbing, like Laurie's dad. They basically they, they, they don't have tickets and they get where water wouldn't. And I think that they've come to Cologne to have a, a few days um, with, with the friends, uh, watch the United game on TV. I dare say that one or two of them, even if fans were allowed in and they had tickets, they wouldn't have made it to the stadium anyway. So they're just having a, a decent time. But it, it, it it's frustrating because that that stadium, I was in it when Arsenal played a couple of years ago and it was absolutely bouncing. The, the German stadiums before the 2006 World Cup, they weren't very fan friendly. They had running tracks. But after 2006, the stands are really close to the pitch, like in Cologne, and the noise level can be can be brilliant. And you can stand up in them as well, which I'm a, a, a fan of. 
So some of the fans, they're going to stay throughout the duration. And it's bizarre because I think the, the club like their support, but because the players are socially distancing, there's not going to really be any interaction. And I've heard of fans flying out for the final, but they're not going to be able to get to the stadium. And it's just... I mean, you, you can watch the games on TV now, and I think that people will have a good time. German cities are really welcoming, and they're not especially busy at the moment because of, of the pandemic, and the, the rates are low. So, yeah, it's um, I don't I, I I didn't meet anyone who'd regretted coming over because we're also in an era of cheap flights because demand is low. People can go to Germany and, and have a decent time for for not that much. I want to bring up something that happened on British TV after the game where Robin Van Persie, the, are we going to call him Manchester United legend? Maybe not legend, but definitely, I don't know, what do you think, Andy? I think an important figure for United, certainly. Yeah. Affection. A, a, six month, a six-month legend. I think what he did in that season was was incredible, but he wasn't there for long enough yeah. to be to be called the true club legend. But he was, a, he was a cracking player for Arsenal and for Feyenoord as well. He scored some brilliant goals and... I think his opinion carries weight, but I don't know what he said, so tell us. <laughs> yeah. uh, he has called Anthony Martial a world-class striker. What are your thoughts today, Andy? I think Martial's getting better and fitter um, under Oli Gunnar. And I always remember speaking a few years ago to um, the former Barcelona player, the fullback, who played with him at Lyon and, and Monaco, Eric Abidal. And this is going back five years, just, just after, four years, just after he'd signed. And he said, I see him as a future centre forward. And Abidal's a bright man. And, and he was right. Um, Martial is getting more chances in, in a central role. His goal tally this season is incredible. His pace is brilliant. His feet are so quick. He's getting stronger. He looks fitter. He looks happier. And I know he's big pals with, with Paul Pogba and I think it's great to see. There's been times where United fans have doubted Anthony Martial, but he's really come onto his own this season. And I know we've covered Matter already, but when Matter signed that contract, so many United fans were critical of him. And he has only started eight Premier League games, but no player started more Europa League games than Juan Mata and I'm not saying that he should be starting big matches, but he was fantastic tonight. And even when he started, I remember at Southampton earlier on in the season, he had a really good first half, but that was a disappointing one-all draw. But he came on tonight and it's probably his, his most important contribution of the season. I'd never have him ahead of any of the other strikers and them strikers are coming into their own. It'd be great if 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 extra player an extra player um, it'd be great if Jaden Sancho could be added to that strike force is what I'm trying to say <laughs> um, but but I'm glad Matter signed he's he's a, he's a great guy he does have an influence in the dressing room and, and and he proved that tonight but Martial definitely gets a thumbs up from me as well Laurie I understand you asked the question about Martial after the game as well what happened there yeah well just like as you said I think he played really well and I wasn't actually aware of Van Persie's comments at the time but um, I've I sort of looked him up and I, I can see what he's saying in terms of when he gets the ball and he shifts it and he's, the balance and poise that he's got and, and Solskjaer basically echoed that you know he, he just said that he's developed throughout the season and when he's got the ball at his feet and he's driving he can go either way and it's just so difficult for defenders to, to stop really and we saw that with his run um, I agree that he perhaps started slowly in the game um, but the thing the aspect that I was really impressed with with his hold up play the strength that he's got and that's 
that's certainly something that they've been working on with him um, earlier in the season. There was very sharp criticism from people, you know, close to the club really as well. That does he do enough? Is he is he is he committed enough? Is he is he doing enough for that number nine shirt that that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer gave him back at the start of the season, which was actually quite a significant point that you know when um, it had been taken off him um, when Zlatan Ibrahimovic came, and I think he was quite deflated by that. So he's got it now, and he does really look the the full package. I think tonight. I know he didn't score, but he did so much in his in his centre forward play that just established himself in that position. And as Andy's touched upon, and I know we're going to get to it in a little bit of time. But if Shaden Sancho does come, um, I, I do wonder if that's you know, this idea that United have pursued a striker would necessarily you know stay the, stay the case. And if you've got a Gallo until January, you know you sort of leave it at that for the time being. With with Marshall being being so informed, so. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I. I just wanted to make sure that he, his his performance was fully um, sort of appreciated because I really enjoyed it. He looked magical. One player who unfortunately looked a little bit leggy was Brandon Williams. Unfortunately, is it a case of being a right-footed left back is just a bit difficult in big games? Andy, you've seen more Manchester United left backs than anyone on this podcast. So I want to throw this to you first. He's still very young. You know, if we wind back only one year, even to the start of this season, Brandon had not established himself and. He, he spoke to the media, including Laurie and I, from Cologne before the game. And I don't know about you, Laurie, I, I, think, I thought he'd come across well, certainly better than some some of the more senior players. He's pretty self-assured and you can see that in his game as well. And I always remember Bruges in a previous Europa League round and speaking to a couple of the coaches who'd, who'd had him in the reserves and they actually said, we thought he would have done more because he's that good that we felt he's, he's he's even holding back in the first team and uh, he, he's he's had an unusual season because it's great that he's had the breakthrough but then Luke Shaw really established himself just as it looked like Brandon Williams was going to become the left back and then Luke's got got injured again um, I still think that I wasn't entirely convinced by the two fullbacks tonight I think defensively they were good but I thought that Copenhagen's fullbacks were were, were even more effective than my worry with United is um, in the final third that they're not assisting enough, that they're not crossing enough. But I was pleased that Brandon signed his new contract. I think it's great that a Manchester lad comes through the youth system and he's had a really good first season. Yeah, I agree with you, Andy. I thought in, in the press conference he was short in what he said, but what he said sort of carried a bit of weight to it. I asked him about his aggressiveness because um, I did a piece when he, when he played against Alkmaar um, I think that was his first start perhaps in the Europa League at least and one story that I've been told is that he, uh, in pre-season he responded to the Accrington Stanley uh, captain throwing a punch his way by headbutting him and getting sent off um, and you're some player if you're getting sent off in a pre-season friendly <laughs> but that's kind of the character that I think United fans admire and, and quite like it. he put in one tackle uh, tonight that was certainly bore the edges of, of that sort of um, you know strength that he has in his character I suppose you know he He's from, yeah, as you say, um, sort of inner Manchester and, and that certainly comes across in his performances. I mean, he, his answer to the, the, that was that it actually came from his uh, coaching at United. He's been at the club, I think, since he was seven. So, um, and, and perhaps the coaches are actually sort of telling him to, to smooth those rough edges a little bit and not go too full throttle in, into certain circumstances. But I agree with you, Carl. I think he was a little bit tonight um, perhaps inhibited going forward and perhaps that is something to do with the foot that he's on because I think Marcus Rashford's linked really well with Luke Shaw down that left channel and and I think Brandon Williams is brilliant I think he's 
really aggressive and, and, and fast. Um, and he's won a lot of penalties and, and free kicks by bursting past people at times. But he, he seemed a little bit inhibited, and and maybe you know if, if he was, you know, he could potentially switch to right back at, at some stages if if Aaron Wambasaka, you know, is out or or maybe just as as, as competition. Because that was the second part of the question that I asked him. You know, what position do you favour? And and that was the one part where he started to think. And I, and for a split second, I think he was going to go off script and uh, actually answer kind of honestly. But he came. Back back and went I'll play anywhere the manager wants me to which was very very well done you know media trained but certainly I, I would think he perhaps has a an interest in, in where he plays specifically um, the reason why he plays left back is because um, I think 15 under 15 level Ethan Laird um, who's a, a right back who travelled with the squad he's, he's out in he's in, he's in the, the, the squad um, he, he could potentially play if, if you know if, if, if needs must but a really young promising right back he, he was he was seen as the, you know, the better player basically so Brandon Williams to accommodate moved across to left back and he's he's always had to sort of fight in that regard mm. and, and even earlier this season I mean just the way things work with United and the, the contracts they give out to the academy players it's it's quite they do have to work hard to get the raises that perhaps if you're a new signing you get automatically I think we've discussed it before in, in, in terms of his you know his, his contract that was about £4,000 a week um, when he signed it he'd, he had made a couple of starts at this point but it was with a promise that they would uh, renegotiate in time and, and obviously they have done that now and he's on a lot more um, I can safely say um, sort of told up to up to £65,000 a week I think if he uh, if the if the uh, clauses are, are all activated in terms of you know he plays a game and, and what have you, so it's a significant bump. But I think that just sort of shows where he's at in, in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's squad. You know, a, a real first teamer who, you know, will will now you know be expecting more from really. You know, as, as you say, you know, you want the full package from him. So let's hope that the semi final perhaps goes a little bit better. I think I think he did the job tonight in terms of defensive, yeah, but maybe offensively that's what we want to see more of. It's all come together. And then it's uh, one of Wolves or Sevilla on Sunday. I think if Manchester United end up against Wolves in the Europa League semi-final, that's the sixth time we're going to play them this season. It feels like a lot longer. I'm with Andy here. I'm I I just get out in the hives whenever I see those gold shirts. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks to Bruno, eh? Yeah, but thanks to Bruno who has changed up his penalty taking technique once again. Manchester United have had 21 penalties this season and Bruno has had seven of them. Seven of them have been scored uh, and does a hop, skip and a jump. Uh, listen, if you're reading this, you can find something written by me this time about Bruno and his penalty taking technique, why he used the hop and why today he didn't because simply he saw an opportunity and went, I'm just going to put it to the left-hand side. He's a very clever man. Uh, BT Sports said he might be the best Manchester United signing since Eric Cantona, which I think is a little bit overblown. <laughs> <laughs> People have said that he's had the impact of Cantona, haven't they? But um, I actually thought tonight was kind of a, a bit of a sketchy game from him. You know, I've, yeah. I've done a piece on the passes that he tries, and he's he's brilliant for that. You know, the, the amount of um, times that he creates chances. But I think his pass completion rate, at, you know, United is is like seventy five percent, which is like you know top, sorry, bottom sort of. Five percent, I think, for Premier League midfielders, you know, passing rate, and I think just tonight it was a bit too much. There was there was a ball, uh, I think it was in the second half of extra time, or, or when they were when they were going left to right as, as we were looking anyway, and um, it, it was an easy pass down the line to Rashford who'd set off on a run. Who I think maybe Rashford had a, a sort of a slightly subdued game for himself, but he, he he did a lot of running and a lot of the time he wasn't found, so I couldn't understand frustration. He made a really straightforward run. All it needed was a ball down the line. 
and, and Bruno tried to sort of fizz a pass into Martial, who had sort of two defenders around him, which was just a more difficult pass. It didn't work. And so, yeah, but I, I do agree. He's, he's, you know, you just are so calm now when he steps up to take a penalty, aren't you? You know, it's not even, you don't really have any tremors about what's going to happen. You're sort of so confident, which is great to be, because certainly I've, I've been not... Uh, had that that confidence before in 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 all of United's penalties, although they, they did pick up after the, the early season misses, didn't they? Thanks to our good pals at Beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash manu and pay the postage of four ninety five. And as if that wasn't enough, as a listener of the Athletics podcast, you'll get two extra free beers. So that's 10 free beers. Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They travel the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the very best craft breweries. They are now the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 deliver a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Korea, California, New Zealand and many more. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave at any time. The power is in your hands. Your case will also include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment and a beery snack is thrown in too. Just go to beer52.com forward slash manu to get your free case. And don't forget right now, Talk With The Devils listeners get two free extra beers. Right. Shall we do our Jaden Sancho section? Uh, I want to just do a quick word on recent developments that happened in the last two or three days. So last time, listen, if you were here on the podcast, um, Laurie said the deal was not quite done, according to reports. Uh, and recently, Michael Zork, Dortmund Director of Sports, said, and I quote, we plan on having Jaden Sancho in our team this season. The decision is final. I think that answers all our questions. I do not think it answers all our questions, so I'm going to ask Laurie what's going on. Is Zork being quite clever here and playing hardball? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a poker game, isn't it? And they have, through the media, uh, mentioned this August the 10th deadline. It was interesting uh, speaking to somebody at United and, and they were saying that the August 10th deadline hasn't actually ever been, conf- you know, sort of communicated directly to them. So it, it's not really been this sort of do or die sort of date that they've been working towards anyway. Um, you know, I also tweeted that, you know, the, the word plan was doing some heavy lifting in that sentence from Michael Zork because, you know, you can plan quite a lot of things that, that don't ultimately happen. And they have said similar things about Usman Dembele in 2017 and ultimately he went to Barcelona, you know, a couple of months later. So, um, yeah, I think it's another stage in the negotiation process. United has certainly not given up hope. Um, it's currently discussions through intermediaries it's a bit slow um you know united have, have been slow themselves before this is uh, according to you know uh, information that it's, it's it's dortmund's insistence that they deal with through agents so we'll see you know clearly they're trying to negotiate for lower terms i don't know i i would i would still my, my gut is still that united signed Jaden sancho um i think this is just a Another step in 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 that in the in this sort of hard negotiation process. It was it was a bit of a surprise, I suppose, that he'd signed a, a contract extension to twenty twenty three, which gives a reason for why Dortmund was so adamant that they wanted one hundred twenty million euro this summer. It's not like his his value is going to diminish next summer when you know if if he'd only had one year left on his contract. But time will tell. Andy, could Jaden Sancho could this possibly last until October fifth? 
You'd like to think not, but then you look back at previous transfer windows and you think, oh my goodness, it absolutely could last until 11.59 or whatever time it is on, on October the 5th. It's a game of poker and there's pressure on all sides. There's pressure on Jadon Sancho's agent because if his client wants to move, then his agent's got to get that deal done. And Dortmund can play poker face, but they've got to decide, as I said last week, can they get more money this summer or next summer when the contract will be running down more? Uh, I knew exactly what had happened with, with Dembele and I know that they, inside the club, they wanted to get rid of, of Dembele and, and Barca were throwing all, all that um, Neymar money round at the time. Um, Dortmund are under a little bit of criticism from Bayern Munich who themselves are under criticism for being too dominant and for the Bundesliga not being an attractive league in comparison to the Premier League. And Bayern Munich, Uli Hoeneß has started to say, well, we do want more competition, but Borussia Dortmund are a selling club. So that's a little bit of a dig, saying that they can't keep hold of their best players because they are a selling club. And Dortmund keep getting close, but then they sell the best players year after year. And you think, well, what are they gonna do with the money? Because they're already, the best supported club in the world in terms of their average home attendances. So this isn't dormant in 2005 where they were about to go into liquidation and they had to release more equity and open out the shareholdings. They are far more stronger now, but Dortmund don't want to lose face either, nor do United. Uh, I think United played it quite well a week ago when it was building and building and building to the point where a deal's been done, personal terms have been agreed, and United, who were pretty reluctant to use the media, they felt that everything was coming out of Germany. Um, and uh, I think it was last Tuesday night after we'd last spoken, um, the people who cover Manchester United, including myself, including Laurie, were just like, there's not a deal at the moment. There just isn't. As a journalist, you've, you've got to tell the truth. You've got to... You've got to deliver the facts. And I know that there's often more than one version of the truth in football, but it was in danger of, of running away, this Sancho story that a deal had been done and a deal had not been done. I think it will go on and on. My gut, as Laurie says, um, my gut feeling is that he, he does want to come, it will be done. But I do think that Dortmund are gonna have to lower the price a little bit. And United do have a plan B. Do you have a plan C, do you have a plan D? All of them have got their own complications as well. United still get offered some incredibly top footballers for very different reasons. And it's often like a player might not see eye to eye with, with his manager. And I think they'll all be complicated to do, but Sancho is, is the man. And I spoke to someone who played in the Bundesliga over the last couple of days, very, very good footballer, I value his opinion. and. I just asked him to compare Sancho with other players and, and his report was glowing, absolutely glowing, although he did say he was better last season than, than this season, but he said, you know, potentially um, a, an absolute top world-class player. So I can see why United fans are getting excited and I would like to see him come, but it, it, it does drag. You know, I walked out of Dusseldorf train station today and there's a big picture of Jaden Sancho on a screen with the latest and I thought, oh gosh, you know. So it's just going to go on and on and on. There is actually a football game I want to watch tonight without just Sancho, Sancho, Sancho. And 
I'd like to get it sorted soon, but that might be wishful thinking. It might be wishful thinking, but hopefully it will be sorted soon. Uh, either way, listener, you can join us on Talk of the Devils and we will bring you as much information as we can throughout the entire transfer saga, as well as Manchester United games, because they're still going on somehow. Hooray. Um, I'm going to let these two go because it is around about two o'clock in the morning, German time. So it's goodbye from me, a goodbye from Laurie. Goodbye. And a goodbye from Andy. Cheers. Good night. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Talk of the Devils. Uh, we'll be back on Sunday after the semi-final. See you next week.